Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hi everyone, this is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of NFT live in Las Vegas at WebEx with none other than Mr. Gabe Weiss. It's great to see you IRL, my friend. Such a pleasure, glad to be here. You look relaxed. I know it's been a roller coaster of a month for you. Congrats on the Stoic sellout. For those that don't know who you are and what you're up to, why don't we break it down for everyone and talk a little bit about the Stoics. Appreciate you. So about, a, I guess, a month ago, I minted out a project called the Stoics. It's a 5K PFP based on Stoicism and kind of has my Cubism art as part of it. And that was pretty darn exciting coming off of like a year and a half of building my community through making art. So yeah, the transition from artist to like founder of a Stoics has been an intense one. But to your point, I'm finally feeling calm, which is a nice feeling after six months of working on this. Yeah. You know, man, it's cool because I feel like I've caught bits and pieces of that journey for you. I haven't seen the whole thing. Obviously, it's been a wild year for everyone, but I was at a party where I met you when you were in town for that Bright Moments drop. And it was just so cool to see you elevate all the artists around you and, and support the community at that private event. Ash threw shout out to Ash. And then Bright Moments was a moment. What were some of the other key moments that led to this, this opportunity? Because this stuff doesn't happen overnight. does not. I mean, I think I've attended every Web3 event I possibly could this year. I drew 101 hand-drawns for everyone, like hundreds of them. And those were the allow list to get on the Stoics. I mean, I think the journey is like NFT NYC, NFT LA. That was one of the most fun events that I did. And I think that also kind of helped spearhead it. Then I did VCon, then another NFT NYC. And I just think the special sauce in all of this is having a human connection, like actually meeting people. So otherwise, especially in this market right now, it just turns into a race to the bottom. If no one has any connection to you, they just undercut until your floor is at below mint like really quickly yeah i mean i think that's true in life like i continue to hear stories about power of human connection that occurred at nft la and i love the podcast we do and and how we're connected to the broader community and sort of educate and tell the stories of founders like yourself but there's just something about that physical connection in person that can't be replaced i was just in singapore and Korea, meeting founders and connecting with them and learning about what's going on there. And these are folks that I probably never would have built such a strong relationship with if I didn't meet them in person. There's nothing replaces that. And that's why I think in these times, we all have to get to know each other and go to events like this and NFTLA and support real human connection. I think that's exactly right. I mean, the Stoics, has a lot of sub-communities. So there's the bulls, the wise owls, the whales, the royals. And so 
A lot of the thesis behind this is creating ways for people to actually have those real human interact. I think we're the only group doing like Zoom calls together oh, as little subcommittees and people just like actually seeing a face and putting a face to it. And like, it's not the same as IRL. I think IRL is by far the best. I think that's one of the big advantages of these conferences. But that said, a lot of the thesis behind the Stoics is like, how do we kind of elevate each other? How do we kind of build each other's networks out? Because like my story is, I mean, I had maybe 50,000 Instagram followers, but I wasn't selling a lot of art prior to go from that to selling like a few million dollars worth of art in the last year and a half is all on the power of these new connections I met through Clubhouse, through attending everything. And so I just double and triple down when people say, what's the secret sauce? I'm like, you got to know people. You got to make sure they know why you're doing what you're doing. You got to put in the time. That's really amazing. Now with Zoom, there's a lot of new technology coming out for making virtual conferencing more exciting. I've met a lot of people doing avatar stuff and metaverse stuff that's compatible with Zoom. What's your thoughts on all that? Are you playing around with all that or are you just sticking to the vanilla stuff with Zoom? A little at the moment, vanilla. I mean, I going back to, I've done some of this metaverse stuff. It's just not what scratches an itch for me. I think if it scratches it for parts of my community, then we'll start doing it. But like baby steps and I kind of think there'll be a winner in all of this might take a few years, but at some point it's going to be super user friendly and awesome. And then I'll probably do it more right now. We'll just keep it at basic zoom. Right on, right on. What's on the roadmap for the Stoics? It's really building out these sub-communities. So the wise owls, they meet. And if the floor price on OpenSea is the same or more in six months as it is right now, then they get a nice perk. The bulls have kind of some running targets that they hit. Like, so when we're at a one ETH floor, they get perks. So like there's different incentives within the different groups. And then a lot of that is still like slowly building out. So a lot of people in the marijuana industry are interested. And I have one with like a joint and they're like thinking about turning that into an alpha group for the marijuana industry. So like I would say I set it up for the infinite game. There's like a million Easter eggs in it. So many different characters. Something for podcasters, maybe. What do you think? Yeah, well, let's do it. 30 no, like, tell me, like, what do you I think, think, what attributes fit media? Well, also 39% of the collection is called Caterpillars. And okay. so they actually can change. So we have dynamic NFTs. Oh. So like literally we could, on top of it all, literally handcraft one for podcasters, which is to say, I'm trying to make this fluid, dynamic and fun, but also be a, able to kind of bring on communities slowly that are interested. And maybe I make 20 that are LA based, and then we get it to folks in LA. There's a bunch of maps in it, so that already is one, but like there's different groups that can be made out of the caterpillars. So nothing is closed off, and that's part of this infinite game that I wanna be playing. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, you gotta be evolutionary in this space. Nothing stays constant at all in this space. It's all trial and error. And that's been fascinating to me with the interviews that we've had with some of the leaders in the space, even like Eric Calderon, and there'll be a fun announcement related to Eric soon. But he was the first to admit that this is, was all an experiment for him and that we still don't know the answers. 
I think that's the only way, like the only projects that I really like are the ones that are thinking like that versus the second you have a roadmap and then it's like almost the fun is gone to me. It's like, I know what you're going to do. And then if you don't do it, then I think you're not good at your job. And if you do do it, chances are won't be enough to like keep me engaged. So like, I think it's like keeping people on their toes and keep trying to figure out ways to delight them. And like, to your point, the most ever changing industry that we're in. So I luckily have the benefit of the doubt of a year and a half of kind of making the people collecting my art. They made money for me. They've seen where I, that I show up to stuff that I'm here for the long term. That little extra trust layer means that I think I get a little bit more leeway to just keep telling people like, don't worry, we're going to have an insane amount of fun and have cool perks without necessarily this is exactly what we're doing and here are the dates we're doing it. Very cool, very cool. I wonder if um, some custom sneakers get in the mix. I'm checking out your sneakers right now. They're pretty dope. I definitely, I mean, a lot of this also is stoics that I meet in person get hooked up. So I've been doing jackets for folks, did shoes last night at the parties. So like, I want it to feel like something where you know you're a stoic and you come up to me and like, Gabe, will you draw on my shirt? And I'm like, for sure, always down. Super cool, man. Of course, you wear multiple hats and, you know, you're sharing a little bit of alpha with me that you had some other cool drops going on in the background here, all while you're like building this giant project and community. What's the scoop, man? So in NFT NYC, Avalanche approached me. They're based in New York and they're like, we want you to do a drop here. We'll do everything for you. And that's as a creator who does a ton of marketing, like that sounded appealing. And then I like dug in and was like, nope, I'm going to have to work super hard on this to sell it out. It ended up biggest drop on Avalanche in six months, which like I didn't know at the time. I didn't know very much about Avalanche. So I did a collection called Conscious Lines. It was 999, sold out in 30 seconds. Wow. And it's doing really well. One just sold for almost 4,500 bucks, which is like the biggest art NFT sale in Avalanche that I'm aware of. And what's Conscious Lines all about? Congrats, by the way. Thank you. So it's just drawings that I did of all of my community organizer meetings for 20 years. I like saved a bunch and then I converted them into NFTs. So it's kind of like a 17 year journey of my art. It's funny seeing some of the early ones from like 17 years ago until today, but I kind of picked all my favorite ones from a long time ago because back in the day, didn't always hit. That's really cool that you were able to sort of convert all this sort of art into future value. It's a beautiful thing. And do you have any plans with that project from here? Yeah, so Avalanche, we're talking. I think I end up becoming one of the top influencers on Avalanche in the last six, seven weeks, which is interesting. And I think I'm trying to figure out ways to bring a lot of the folks came on to the Stoics and we have some some little some tie-ins that we'll be doing. So I think it's just about I'm not really a, a maxi for any chain. I think there's really cool stuff to do on Avalanche because it's like no gas essentially or so like there's some burn dynamics and some cool stuff I want to build out on it that is just a little more costly on ETH. So to be determined, but I'm excited that it's another avenue to kind of share my work. That's great. Well, if folks want to follow along with your journey and get involved, 
where can they find you on Twitter? And I think from Twitter, they can get to everything, right? Yeah. Gabriel J. Weiss, W-E-I-S, is on Twitter. Best way to get in touch. And then from there, you can see the Stoics and Conscious Lines and get to my link tree, all the fun stuff. And stalk you and, and find you in real life and have that human connection that you're so focused on. So it's beautiful, man. It's great to see you. It's great to see that your hard work has paid off in such a meaningful way for you and for the community. I'm very proud to know you, and it was great to spend some time together today. Really appreciate you, brother. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued, or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore, because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them, and also train you in real-world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintraininalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Hello, everyone. This is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of NFT here at Web3X in Las Vegas with none other than Amin Ra, the co-founder of K12 Crypto, as always, it's great to see you, my friend. Hey, it's great to see you. Great to be here with you. Yeah, man. So look, it's not like we don't know each other. Right. We've been working up something really special. We'll talk about that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But let's just start with what you're up to and why you're up to it. I think your story is really fascinating. And I think that education is key to impact in the world. And we've learned that the power of what we're building here with Web3 is only as good as the minds, the bodies, the spirits to get it done. And that requires the next generation of leaders. We firmly believe that the pathway to a better world is through education. A little bit about myself, you know, I'm, I'm a kid from Compton that didn't always have the accessibility to technology, the accessibility to future of work and learning during that time, growing up in the 90s in Compton. And then I became an educator and a principal. Where were you a principal? So I was a principal in Watson, Compton. So I opened my own school five years ago was one of the youngest founding principals in LAUSD history, which is the second largest district in the nation. We yielded great results, two back-to-back 100% graduation rates. But then we realized that we were still not impacting the system and we still wasn't changing the way society and education work. So that led us to develop a startup called K12 Crypto, which is a learn-to-earn platform that allows kids to earn cryptocurrency, learn about cryptocurrency, and gain money for doing it. And they don't get money, they don't get that money until they graduate from high school. And we develop curriculum that is now going to bridge schools and districts and communities and families together to be on our platform and then collectively together with our partnership to bring them in person in Compton Watts to have an in-person NFT Youth Summit. Yeah, so cats out of the bag. You guys are cooking up something that NFTLA is really proud to support this Youth Summit 
for us was like a aha moment, of course, sort of situation when we met in the LA community. We had been thinking about this last year, but NFTLA came up fast and furious, and now we have a little bit of time to figure it out. So break down for us what you guys are building prior to NFTLA. Yeah, no, it was cool. From us talking, for us building a relationship, when we define NFT as is next generation financial teaching. And for us, we want to bridge kids to the next generation of financial teaching through understanding how they can identify problems that they can solve with blockchain first. That's phase one. Phase two is then develop a product in which uses blockchain to solve that problem. And then phase three is developing art around that concept so they can tell a story to actually mint. We're going to actually have kids mint NFTs on a marketplace leading up to our NFT Youth Summit, which is going to be like this really fascinating experience to really launch kids not only to the world of Web3, but also to platforms and our partners that are really on this mission with us. It's amazing. So break it down for us. When is it? What's the flow look like? Who's going to be involved? Oh, yeah, it's exciting. So it's going to be March 16th, 2023, happening in South Central Los Angeles at this great facility called the Beehive. And we're going to bring all these young people together to really be inspired, but to really be empowered to go into the world of Web3. We have great partners like NFTLA. We have other big partners that we won't release yet because they're really, really key. But you will see on our website as they flow out. And uh, it's really going to be a fascinating event with some celebrities, music, just an experience for the kids. But it's also a sustainable type of experience because of our partnerships with LAUSD and other charter schools across the country. Yeah, you know, we've been around each other for a while now, and I've witnessed how much this event lights up the room and how excited people are to help the kids and to elevate not only the LA community, but globally kids. What's been your experience sort of empowering the kids? How have they responded to blockchain and NFTs and what drives them in terms of this space? Every time in our team, every time we go and talk to kids, they light up because they're like, I want to learn this. You know, they're already in the space from playing Fortnite, from playing games and understanding the concepts. Gaming is like in their DNA now. In their DNA. I mean, from even my daughter who's seven with Roblox and understanding the concepts or the philosophy around like digital currency and different things like that. And what we found out is that the kids are like the place and the pathway to get the adults to be onboarded too. Because once the kids are excited about it, we can now start talking with teachers. We can start talking with principals. But then once their kids are in there, the parents come too. So this is why we see that it can't just be one stakeholder. It has to be stakeholders. And that's where we are passionate about and we're excited about is because we firmly believe that we can onboard the masses in a really viable and reliable way with a summit and a platform that is for the people, powered by the people. That's amazing. So if folks want to get involved, how can they contribute and what do they do? Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is go to k12crypto.com, learn about our company, shoot us an email, and then we can start our partnership in regards of our event. What's the email? The email is principalraw at k12crypto.com. And that's wow. raw with R-A-H-H, not R-A-W. Yeah, I have a confusing last name, so it's important <laughs> to get those clarifications yeah. out there. Well, we're so excited to partner with you. We're so excited about what you're doing in this space. It's going to be great have this event happen before NFTLA. We didn't tell people the best part, which is that a lot of these kids are going to receive scholarships to come to NFTLA and get like that second dose of education just a few days after your event. Right on, you nailed it. And I think that's going to be fascinating because we're going to take up to 50 kids to see NFTLA next week, which is going to be fascinating. Like 
they're going to see the world of non-fungible tokens, blockchain technology, Web3, the creator economy. That's what we're excited about. All right. Well, can't wait. Thanks so much for being a collaborator and spending a little bit of time with us today. Thanks, Web3X, for hosting us. Absolutely. Thanks. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service soup-to-nuts and whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. What's going on, everyone? This is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of NFT, here in Vegas live at WebEx, but no other than Zeneca. It is so awesome to meet you in real life. I think it's quite fitting that we're here in Vegas, which sort of is a callback to some of your roots. What's it feel like to be back in Vegas? It's been a minute, right? It's been a few years since I've been here, but I've spent, so I was a professional poker player before all right. of this, and people always say it's like, three days in Vegas is enough, five days, like we're here for a week. It's like, that's a lot. And I've spent eight weeks here at a time. I spent six weeks for whole summers for the World Series of Poker. And it's good to be back. It's very different coming through this whole lens of being here for a conference because I've never really did conferences or anything like that. But it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good callback to to sort of how you got into this space. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit more for our listeners. Yes. I was a, basically all I've done before crypto and NFTs was play poker. So I got into it when I was 17 in high school, started playing with friends, went online, started making some money, started making more money. And I was like, all right, let me just do this because this is fun. And I don't want to go to university or college and, and do that when I can do this. Just one thing led to another. And I was able to sustain myself for 15 years as a poker player there's a whole other story that's another podcast or another episode for another day just, just on that. But there's a lot of overlap from poker players and crypto, I think. It's just like natural synergies, dealing with money, dealing with risk. And so I had a lot of friends who made that jump. They'd gone into crypto 
And I initially dabbled a bit in 2017 when Ethereum started going crazy. And, but then the bear market hit in 2018. And I was like, all right, that's a fun experiment. Back to real life. I didn't really get it. I didn't have that conviction. I didn't understand the power of the technology. Then 2021 rolled around and everything crypto is going crazy again. And I had my friends and they started talking about NFTs. And I was like, sounds like a scam, some Ponzi cult, like didn't make sense. But eventually, like, I guess they were just persistent enough. And I, was, I did, did a bit of research myself. And then I learned about this whole creator economy and this whole digital assets and being able to own something and provenance. And I was like, all right, there's something happening here. There's a movement. There's a revolution, effectively. And I was like, already had like one foot out the door from poker. I was looking for something else to do. And it was just like, okay, let me just dedicate all my time and energy into understanding this and fall down the rabbit hole in 18 months. I'm still falling, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all still learning, right? Which is, I think, humbling and exciting when people ask strategy for this space. I think it's really important to put a caveat on anything that you say. Yeah, 100%, because we're running a four-day workshop upstairs every day, one hour on how to build an NFT Web3 business. I didn't know what an NFT was like 19 months ago. And it's sort of like an expert in this space is an expert because we're all learning and we don't have like years and years or decades of experience. It's We're all new to it, but that's part of the fun and joy. It's like we all learn together. Yeah, I'm curious when you were playing professional poker, how important was it for you to build a fan base and a community around you as a player? And to what extent did that happen organically versus some degree of effort on your side? Yeah, so I'd say it's it's very minor part of being a professional poker player. And probably 99% of professional poker players would do none of that. I was sponsored by PokerStars for like four or five years. And so part of that was because I had built a bit of a personal brand. I had like blog and I would write about poker and people knew me. And then because it was like that parlayed or leveraged into the sponsorship. And then as a sponsored player, I had sort of to do certain community building things and like create videos to basically educate people about poker. So it's like kind of a little bit history repeating itself, except like a hundred times different to what I'm doing now. Back then it was very casual and lackadaisical. That's a word. And very not something I dedicate a ton of time and energy to. Whereas now it's like community building is everything in this space. And it's like, it's a huge part of it. Whereas back then it was like 95% poker, 5% community and, and building a brand and all that. Yeah. So that leads me to a question. Zen Academy started about a year ago. And you have this interesting curriculum and approach to the space. How do you look at that curriculum? And where does community fit in? Because it's a word that's used a lot. But I think it's only meaningful when you break it down into its smaller components. So how do you guys look at your curriculum and specifically community? Yeah, community is a buzzword. It's like cliche and trite at this point, but it's still used because it's so powerful. It really is the glue that holds our space together in a lot of ways, I think. I approach and we really approach community and thinking about it in a how can we add value to people? Like, why would someone want to be a member of Zen Academy? Because they get something out of it. We're not thinking of an extractive, like, how can we make money off our community? It's like, how can we help them and add value to their lives? And if we do our jobs right, good things will happen. We'll probably have avenues to make money as a business as a side effect of that. But if the key component is how can we make Zen Academy a place where people want to come back to and feel that they get something out of it? It could be education. It could be networking and finding other people. It could be finding a job. It could be fun. You know, we have fun. We have memes. We have poker nights and trivia nights and we have meetups here, like we're playing poker tonight here at, <laughs> at the Wynn. We're going to meet up in like 90 minutes. We have a room just down the road. We're going to get like the community together and meet and greet. And I think if you can just provide value and there's things that get people like enjoying hanging out with another, and it sort of comes down to having 
the right people together as well. Like we are very much a community that is for people that are like more serious about the space, about learning, education, helping each other, being genuinely good people and less about chasing the next flip and, and alpha calling and, and hype cycles. And we're also not the really a type of community that loves, I mean, this is now starting to generalize, but like I would say that we're not the type of community or like the, the people in our community, maybe a little older and like maybe in the 30s, less than the 20s. And maybe they have families and they don't have all the time in the world to get dedicated to this. Or when they go to an event, they don't want to go to a nightclub and listen to a DJ all night, like a lot of the events at NFT NYC. Like NFT NYC, our event was in a bookshop. And it's just like every community has their own like culture and like attracts certain types of people. And that's, I think we've done a good job of cultivating a community that has a certain type of personality. And then from there, there's infinite possibilities. And I think that's so true. I was having a conversation with one of the founders of a new community that formed and launched here. Yesterday, I was asking him, what are your core values? Because I think there's a lot of nuance to each community in what we do. I mean, there's a lot of different conferences in the space. And for NFTLA, we were really trying to be a conference that's more of a magical experience, per se, where, yes, there's entertainment, yes, there's drinking, but it's more about high-quality networking with people that want to co-create the future. And I think it's really important as people go into the space and maybe your program for them to really think about who they are, what the true essence is of what they want to create. Yeah, that's exactly it. I always say, people ask, had like an hour ago, someone came up to me and he was like, I'm thinking of getting more into Web3. What should I do? Like, where is the best place to go to find a job? Or like, where are the opportunities right now? And my response to that question is always, keep an open mind and sort of don't go for one specific thing, but go for what you have a natural proclivity towards. I think most of us agree that gaming and NFTs is gonna be a huge industry. That's all I heard about in Asia was gaming. Yeah, exactly. It's just perfect, right? But if you're not a gamer, if you don't like playing games, if you're not interested in, in games, it doesn't really make sense to go into gaming NFTs. It's sort of like, I can't remember who was the quote by, it might be Einstein, but don't try and fit a square peg into a round hole. It's like, find the thing that suits you, then like NFTs is a technology and Web3 is everything in the world. There will be something that sort of meshes perfectly with you and you will find that if you keep an open mind and don't just like go straight to where the money is right now or something like that. Yeah, so recognizing that you have to go down the rabbit hole, do you think it's still possible for an ambitious entrepreneur that doesn't have a pre-existing community to create something in the space independently? Or do they need to form alliances with someone that has a built-in community or build a community before they do a Web3 project? Is it it's sort of a chicken and the egg question, but I get concerned personally about everyone wanting to create a token or a Web3 project as opposed to find a home within an existing community. It's that intrapreneur versus entrepreneur instinct and we have seen market saturation. So what does the future of the space look like from that perspective? Yeah, exactly to your point. It's really tough to sort of try to create a community and stand out from the crowd. There's already tons of communities for gamers. There's tons of communities that are education focused. There's tons of music NFT communities. I think it sort of, you definitely can start from zero and create an amazing community, but you need to recognize it's going to take a long time. It really takes a lot of groundwork and sort of getting known in the space and attracting the right people and having a very clear mission and vision. And I think it sort of also comes down to product market fit. And it's if your entire thing is building a community and that's it, 
you can do it, but it's really tough because there's so many existing communities and, and you just got to, but it's very much still doable. So if you're an entrepreneur and you want to do that and you're dedicated to spending six, 12 months every day, just working at it, doing the unscalable, chatting to people, sharing your vision, like absolutely very successful. The other thing is if you can come up with an idea that is like just perfectly suited for the market, I think you don't really need to build that community per se. The product can stand on its own. And the example I always go back to on this is Premint. So back in late last year, every NFT project we're doing like collabs with one another and they were giving allow lists away. Everyone was doing it through like Google Sheets and like emoji react polls in Discord. And it was very janky and like, I'll email you the list and you know, I'll send you a Twitter DM. And then Premium came along and they were like, well, everyone is doing this. It doesn't make sense. Let's just build a product that automates it and streamlines it. And it only took them a month. I think Brendan coded and they started iterating and improving it. And that was just perfect. Everyone was like, oh my God, this is perfect. And they got an entire monopoly on the market. And so if you can figure out that product market fit, you don't need the community first. Yeah, that's a great example. I was an early buyer of Premint and fan of what he's done. And I think he handled the hack extremely responsibly. He's based in California. So hopefully we'll get him over to NFTLA this upcoming year. Shout out to Brennan. He's going to be here tomorrow. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Let's all hang. <laughs> Just for one day. Yeah. Yeah. That's He's doing cool. a panel. I'm on the panel with him. Oh, cool. All right. Well, I'll get to hang out with him tomorrow. That's awesome. So let's talk about the future of Zen Academy, man. You've got a lot sort of cooking. And of course, I'm sure there's some secrets and some tributaries in the works as well. But what's the roadmap look like from here? Yeah. So when we launched almost a year ago, it was literally just me. And I very intentionally had no roadmap. On the website or the mint page, there was a link that said not a roadmap. And it was me just writing like why I don't have a roadmap because this space changes so quickly. I didn't want to just like lock myself in. And once you do have a roadmap, then the community rightfully expects you to execute on the roadmap. And then you're like, well, maybe that wasn't a good idea. How do we pivot? And I was like, I don't want that. I just want to have the freedom and flexibility to be like, let's see what happens in the market and decide what we want to do. A year in almost, we now have a team of close to 20 and we've been building a lot behind the scenes and thinking about like, what's next? Where do we go from here? It's, it's still not directly a roadmap, but it's like more of a vision and a plan for the future. And I've been thinking a lot as a thinking of Zen Academy as a business, how do we support ourselves? How do we generate revenue? Because the previous models for most communities, there's a few models, but it's like sell more NFTs, do a second drop, uh, rely on secondary market royalties. It's not sustainable. People say, oh, these guys won. They minted out, they got $2 million or $3 million or $4 million. Now, proof is a little bit of an exception. But when you mint out at that level and you start running a business and hiring and paying payroll and dealing with HR and then doing events for your community, that burn rate is quick. And you can't just rely on, on that community to keep re-upping. You have to grow it, right? You can potentially over the long term grow the community size and that's great. But like we're in a bear market now, could go on for another couple of years. How do you support yourself? And it's just like put the community to work. That's one way. <laughs> selling more NFTs and royalties are like that's reliant on the community buying and selling NFTs. I don't think that's great. The third option we've seen a lot more of now is VC funding. And if you have a great idea, a vision, and you know, maybe you need runway. I'm not a fan. Like personally, I don't want to take on VC funding. I have nothing against it. it. You know, I don't want to offend anyone because mm. I do appreciate there's pros and cons, but for some projects based on the genesis, it's a contradiction. Exactly. It misaligns incentives in a way. If you start out a different way, it's different. But if you start out as community first, we the people, mm. then it's like, wait, what's yeah. going on here? I agree. I don't want to take VC funding. But then it's like, all right, so how do we build a business? And we've got a few ideas. So one is consulting. And I think that personally, I get five to 10 
requests a week. It's like, can you be an advisor for our project? You know, we're a Web2 brand coming into the space. I've been turning away 95% of that business for the last 12 months because I just don't have the time. It makes sense to create a team and infrastructure to capture that business. And then the people actually doing the work will get probably the bulk of the, the revenue, but 20, 30% comes to Zen Academy or Zen Labs, the parent company. And I think that is a good, sustainable business that does not rely on the community buying and selling tokens. So that's one idea. The other is, it's more than an idea. We're like in the process of executing on that. The other is media. And it's just like content is like the reason I'm here in the first place. I had started the newsletter and that blew up and then Twitter and that blew up. And so now there's a few newsletters we have. We have a few podcasts. We have a YouTube channel. And up until now, we've done very little in sort of affiliate marketing or sponsorships. But I think that there's a very clear intersection there of like, you can do that in ethical ways and just like ethical affiliate deals like Ledger, like hardware wallets. I use it. Everyone should use one. Let's have their link on our content and then get 10% revenue. And as we grow, and that's something that the community can help in as well, because if the community likes our content, they'll share it. And they know that if they're sharing it, there's revenue coming in for the business that we can then use for events like this. So everyone, it's like this beautiful flywheel. So media and sponsorships and affiliate is another thing. I'm a fan of media. Of course, yes. And like, you know, we're so early. Like the pie is growing so much and it's amazing. So that's true. We do have a PFP project coming out in several months still. We're working on that. And that is, a lot of people ask why a PFP project. Does the space need another PFP project? The answer is absolutely not. The reason we didn't do a PFP when I launched last year was because I was like, the market is saturated. The last thing we need is yet another PFP project. But interestingly, over the course of the year, there's been a lot of demand from within the community. People are like, I would love a Zen Academy PFP. I would love to have that as my Twitter profile. And so it's like this, people ask, why PFP? I'm like, for fun. Like, that's the reason is to do it for fun so the community can engage more and have that social identity piece. And it's like, we're not doing a PFP to build a game or to do something. Like We've got all this stuff that's in the works anyway. Yes, it will serve as hopefully another entry point into the ecosystem and maybe a lower price point, but it all depends. We don't know yet. Maybe it's a free mint. Maybe it's a small paid mint. It's just a lot of balls up in the air, but that's another thing that we're working on. Anyway, and then there's a few other ideas, but those are like the probably the, the key things we're focusing on over the next few months. It's like consulting, it's more media, and then it's the PFP project. That's exciting. There's a lot that I resonate with that you share. We'll have to talk more and un unpack this and share our views with each other. If people want to sort of keep in touch with you, probably pretty obvious at this point, where should they start? Yeah. So for me, Twitter is probably the best place. I have a website coming out soon, but probably not ready. When does this go live? <laughs> or when does this go out? Uh, we'll see. A couple of weeks. Okay. So, okay. I'm going to Zeneca.xyz. So I have a website that has all my content, links, and everything you can find there. And then for Zen Academy, probably the website, zenacademy.com is the easiest, or the Twitter, at zenacademy underscore. We haven't gotten the regular at Zen Academy yet. And I'll say like one little plug is that recently, like this week, we started a course for people that want to like get into NFTs, onboard them. Oh, great. It's, you just go to 30daysofnfts.com and it's an email course because like we don't want to get people in Discord. We don't, it's very easy. You just put your email address in and then every day for 30 days, you get emailed a bite-sized chunk of information, onboards you from zero to one. So I love that. So if you try to go to Gear 5 too soon and overeat, you're forced to like wait to the yeah. next day to get your next serving. You know, my, my girlfriend's mom has a new puppy in that puppy loves to eat and then gets a stomachache. <laughs> so now they got this bowl with this puzzle in it yeah. so that the puppy doesn't eat too much yeah. later one day. So 30 days, that's a good amount of portioning. Yeah. You'll learn a lot. Yeah. You won't get too overwhelmed. That's the goal. Yeah. That's great, man. 
Really excited about everything you're doing in this space. Hope to see you more. Hope you can make it over to LA from Europe next year for NFT LA. And yeah, we'll keep rooting for you and let's stay in touch. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.